Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, including F1 finally returns to Montreal, potential return for F1 to South Africa, the latest silly season rumors, Naomi Schiff's response to social media abuse, and Mercedes moving up and down side to side like a roller coaster. Well, up and down anyway. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. This show is brought to you by the news team at Formula Nerds. Keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. So, having missed her first ever show last week, Abby's clearly got a taste for a life as a lady of leisure and is missing again, but I do have Grace with me. How's it going, Miss Robinson? Oh, that was a bit formal. Um, it's going well. Um, just, just I'm in a, one of those giggly moods, so we'll see how today goes. But yeah. I look forward to that. Uh, and of course, I have the other half of my hive mind, Sam. How are you, pal? I'm still reeling from that side to side bit you did. Because for once, I didn't know you were going to do that. Yeah, no warning. <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. Lando would be proud. I hope so. I hope I did him justice. But anyway. You guys aren't here to listen to us exchange niceties. So, Grace, I believe you have our first topic. Well, actually, I do. So, I mean, it's not news. If you're an F1 fan, you know we're going back to Canada this weekend, Montreal. I'm so excited. But I was doing an article today and I was like, oh, let's, let's see what happened last time in Canada. I don't think anyone's forgotten Canada. I'm so excited. Maybe, maybe Seb will come first again and say he came first again. But um, it's one of my favourite tracks. It really is. What about you guys? You've probably seen it on your screens a lot longer than me. Wow. There's just no need for that. I mean, it is one of my favourite tracks, but, you know, now I feel embarrassed admitting it. You know what's weird? Grace wasn't born when they crashed into the Wall of Champions. The the Champions. Oh, my God. Because what? That was 99. Yeah. Yeah. Nine nine. Sorry, she was minus two. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, that's not really how that works, but yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I was alive for two very good Canada moments, though. Uh, two thousand and eleven, Jensen Button. Yeah, my my favorite race ever. It's up there. And l- last time around with Seb and Lewis, and Seb showing us that he's not going to roll over and let people 
take things from him. I miss feisty Seb. I really do. Well, talking of rolling over, you've missed Kubica's crash in 2007 and then his redemption a year later to win his only Grand Prix. Mate, I think take I was about the lead five. Of the championship at the point. Yeah, it was 2007. I remember stuff that happened in F1 when I was seven. Come on, that's not an excuse. But also, like, I mean, you've got loads of... 2007 as well, James Allison's commentary after Lewis wins his first ever race, saying, James like, Allen's. this guy's going to be... Sorry. James Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was yeah, yeah. in the commentary box. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> wow. Sam, you're was, so uh, excited, though. You're like a little Montreal fanboy. Like, I know you can't see him, but, oh my gosh, he's, like, jumping out of his chair. I am. So if you can hear any weird background noises, that's what that is. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great track. Loads and loads of fun memories. I, I'm so excited to be back. Watch. Very rarely a dull Canadian Grand Prix is there. Very true. I mean, that I mean, first if nothing is... else is a groundhog. Like, we'll run across in front of someone and we'll get a great <laughs> shot of that. <laughs> yeah. Or a marshal will, like, slip over in the track and you'll have, like, a really scary moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Well, what could make it more exciting this year, even if it doesn't need to get any exciting, is after Baku, obviously, um, there was a lot that went on in the Baku weekend, but there was um, one moment from qualifying with Alonso and Albon where Alonso had to take a little trip to the slip road and Albon said he did it on purpose and that started the whole discussion about making mistakes slash doing naughty things on purpose and qualifying that affects the other drivers. And the FIA are seriously looking into this now after Albon brought it up. I mean, Alonso was investigated informally at the Baku weekend, but nothing happened. But now they're looking into it. And as early as Friday free practice, just before in the driver's briefing, there could be penalties for accidents, anyone that brings out a yellow or red flag in qualifying. I think that's quite a turnaround. It's a very difficult one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Alonso, it looked a lot like uh, Nico's trip down the, the escape road in Monaco, didn't it? The, the wiggling of yes. the steering wheel left and right. And yeah, it was pretty blatant. But it's such a hard thing to actually police. It, it is a grey area. How do you prove someone's done that on purpose? Well, same with Schumacher in Monaco many yeah. years ago, just parking it really. And sounds bad, but how I felt in 2021 with Charlon Pole in Monaco, I thought that might have been a little bit dodgy. Maybe not now, but back then I remember thinking, why are, why isn't he getting punished for that? And so in that respect, I think people should get punished. But then if you just bomb it into the wall, like accidentally, it's, it's, it's doing you more harm than anyone else. So you're going to get effed up for it anyway. Well, I mean, this is where part of the problem lies, is that Charles Leclerc gained, well, albeit in the long run didn't gain, but in that moment he gained by bringing out the red flag and ending the session, much like Schumacher gained and Rosberg gained by, you know, essentially parking their cars. Yeah, exactly. But That's why I thought it was on purpose. There, there will be genuine red flags though, but you're going to have to punish those in the same way. Because you can't have inconsistent... You can't say, just because that guy was on provisional pole, we're going to have to penalise him because that's not a, a fair or just system. As far as I see it, I don't know what you think about that, guys. 
doesn't indie have something different where they just add on if there is something like that then you just add on an extra two minutes or something like that enough time for everyone to get one more shot at it that seems like the easier solution to me because it's it's so difficult to yeah to actually prove that someone has done it on purpose because there's there can be so many instances where it's like 50 50 people are half the people think they did it on purpose half the people didn't and how do you like if people are getting penalties for stuff that they haven't actually done, it's a genuine mistake, then it's crazy. That's actually a really interesting point because I think with the penalty aspect of it, yes, the driver who messed up is getting penalised, but the laps that they messed up because of it aren't benefiting from them getting a penalty. They just might go one ahead. Like, say, when Max was doing his lap this year around in Monaco and obviously Sergio Perez and Sainz had that incident, those two would have got penalised for it in this new system. But Max wouldn't have had the chance to redo his lap, even though he was on for, like, a really good one. But um, Daniel Ricciardo's comments on this are really interesting. And he says that maybe if you don't, like, crash... Well, he said total your car. If you don't total your car, maybe you should get penalised with a deleted lap which I think is interesting. So for a lockup or something like that, what do you guys think? Because I know that's quite controversial. I mean, you're going to end up with drivers driving within themselves. And what you want is people so totally on the edge, much like Max's lap in Saudi Arabia. In I was just about to say that, Saudi yeah. lap. You 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 know multiple points before he eventually put it in the wall that he was over the limit. He he had put it he had pushed it too far, but just held on to it. And that for me was one of the most enjoyable viewing experiences in F one that I can remember in the last few years. A one one off lap that was just sensational to watch isn't something you get every day. So you you start to you know lose that if you are basically saying if you lock up you make a small error. That's your lap time gone. Or you get people going, oh, actually, I'm on pole. I reckon if I bin my car, but hit it straight on and don't damage the gearbox, the engine, and anything, my guys can turn it around overnight and I'll start on pole. So you are, you're potentially still going to get people who are just going to drive it straight into a wall. I mean, that is genuinely what I thought Charles did last year. But I do agree with you, Sam, because quality is where you are meant to be the fastest you can be. It's where you can prove it. Whereas in a race, so many things matter. Whereas quality, there's less factors. And you can just go and show how fast you are. And I think we'll get drivers driving within themselves. And it'll be boring. Like nothing could ever match that Saudi lap if people are just taking it easy. Yeah. And, you know, show having it on provisional pole and then going for, okay, it got cancelled out as well, but going for an even better lap in Monaco wouldn't have happened because, yeah, like like Sam says, he would have hedged his bets. I don't know. I, I don't think it's a solution. I think that if... I can't... Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the, the IndyCar system is, but something like that. And maybe if you're the person who's brought out the red flag, you don't get another shot. Like, even if That's your car is... That's a great idea. No, and yeah, I don't know. There's, it's not an easy solution across the board, really, but... I don't know. I don't think you can start handing out penalties to people. I think it's too too difficult to definitively prove. It's the whole it like you are innocent till proven guilty. And as much as we all think that Alonso was guilty, he shouldn't be guilty until proven innocent. But speaking of Alonso, uh, the driver merry-go-round is in full swing. 
with news appearing last night that the deal's for Alonso to remain at Alpine next year and Piastri to move to Williams are almost done. Some channels are reporting this will be confirmed before the summer break. So I'm assuming this will mean the end for our mate Nick Latifi. Yeah, it's looking that way. It's interesting how the news has pivoted, though, in the last couple of days from Latifi being replaced following the Canadian Grand Prix, which will be his debut home race in Formula 1, to Piastri confirmed for 2023. So it will be interesting to see if there are any developments to those effects over the weekend, heading you know, or looking forward to the British Grand Prix at the start of July. Yeah, I think it's... Unfortunately for for Latifi, it hasn't come together this year. He hasn't looked the driver he was last year. And I, I, I thought he always did a better job than people gave him credit for. But it just hasn't materialised. And when you think about the fact that he is underperforming in conjunction with his teammate outperforming the car, it's kind of like a, a double whammy in that sense. So, yeah, I think it's probably the, the right time. Yeah, I mean, it's been since what, Saudi Arabia last year, I think, where he just, obviously that's where he started crashing and hasn't really stopped for the most part. It's, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, does, it seems like he hasn't gelled with this car because he really did look like he'd come on in his second season. You know, he got those the points in Hungary, even more so than George. And he, look, he looked a bit closer to George and we obviously can all see how talented George is now. We all suspected it all along, but now we have a, more definitive benchmark for him. <laughs> yeah, it'll be. I hope that he sees out the season. I think he deserves that. I don't think it would help Oscar Piastri coming in either halfway through a season because then you're starting from behind. I don't think that's ever the way to start your career. Obviously, why it's helped for some people, but yeah. I genuinely believed like Latifi was coming into his own last year. I, I do agree with you, Sam, there, because he just seemed comfortable and, yeah, he wasn't too far off George. And I think maybe the hate over the winter break has had a lot to do with it. Maybe he started to doubt himself a lot because, yeah, he crashed. The crashes at the end of the season could have just been instants where you're driving in a very high-pressured environment and a very hard track you're likely to crash. Then you crash again and cause all this controversy and you get hate upon hate. I just think it's got to get to a person and especially for someone trying to perform at such a high level, if it gets to you a little bit, it can can throw you off. That's a good point, actually. It could be, it definitely could be a part of it. And then Alex coming in and and doing well. I mean, this is the thing, Alex is kind of, had a couple of headline results, but a lot of the time he's not been doing that much better. He's obviously, I think he's 7-0, 8-0 in qualifying, but the actual results, he's quite often been down in 17th by the end of the race. And Yeah. It was just, just those two times he snuck into the points, mm-hmm. which made look, it look like Latifi's doing maybe worse than he is, even more so. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, but whilst we're on silly season, there are also some rumours that Antonio Giovinazzi is emerging as a threat for Mick Schumacher's seat at Haas next season despite Gunter Steiner's plea in Baku to stop putting pressure on the young German. So do we buy into those rumours? I don't. I think that Giovinazzi had an opportunity in Formula 1 and ultimately didn't get as much out of it as he could have. 
I think. He was a driver who really only stepped up his game, I felt, when his job was at risk, when it came into contract negotiation season, when other names started getting thrown in the mix. One of those being Mick Schumacher at the time, before he was confirmed for Haas for his debut season. So I don't think it's the right call. I think if they are going to go down the route of Ferrari Jr., well, I mean, they're kind of thin in some ways. You know, Callum Eilat, I think, would be a very, very good shout. He looks pretty competitive in his first year in IndyCar, and I thought he should have had more opportunities before he went that route. Yeah, Marcus Armstrong was in the programme, isn't anymore. So, there, yeah, there's not a, a huge number of options for them, which is a problem. I think they'll probably leave Mick in the car. I think that's the right decision. I think he has underperformed. I think we need to be honest about that. But I think he needs more time, and I think they'll give him more time. Yeah, and there's Robert Schwartzman that everyone's forgotten about, who I, I know he's Russian, but he could compete under a... I can't remember what country it is. Do you know? License? Okay. Is he a dual citizen? Yeah, he actually, he has citizenship from another country, but... I can find out. Um, Israeli. That was it. I knew it was something a bit of That's obscure. random. What a combo. Yeah. yeah what, so, what a combo for international politics. <laughs> yeah. Could compete under an Israeli license, but yeah, no, I, I don't buy into it either, really. I mean... I agree with you, Sam. I think, yeah, he, he had his time in F1. He had, what, three and a bit seasons where he proved that he was a solid driver, but not enough to come back, really. Um, and, I mean, aside from anything, would he really want to come back for the ability... Would he really want to come back for to have the ability to drive in one of these horrible cars that we are seeing this year? Uh, porpoising still being a massive issue. Now, we also the ridiculous bouncing of the cars in Baku particularly the Mercedes and the video of Lewis struggling to get out the car after the race. Our main podcast covered that on Sunday, but Lewis has since come out confirming he will race in Canada. George Russell has been very outspoken about the safety concerns. And I think we're all now worrying about the long-term effects it could cause. So apparently the FIA are open to technical changes that would address the issue, but not every team is willing to accept them. We don't know who that is. It seems pretty clear uh, where the Red Bull stable stands with Christian Horner's comments after the race in Azerbaijan. Now, as a Red Bull fan, Grace, what did you make of those comments? Um, I think that it probably wasn't the right way to speak about it, especially as it's such a big safety concern now. I mean, we all saw the way Lewis was in at the end. Like, he couldn't get out of the car. He couldn't walk. And I think Ricardo had a few back issues as well. And I'm sure a lot of other drivers do. But I think the way Horner spoke about it was really obnoxious and quite controversial because he said, like, he basically said if his drivers were suffering, he'd tell them to bitch about it. And that's what he thinks Toto is telling Lewis and George to do, just bitch more about it, to then effectively change the regulations so that the changes would suit the Mercedes car. I think that was the main grasp of it. I don't really agree with what Horner said, but I do believe that all the drivers agree with the change in regulations bar one, Fernando Alonso. Of course. It's got to be Fernando. Yeah, I mean, we touched upon the Alonso bit a little bit on the uh, on the race review, but I think that 
aside from the confrontational way that Christian Horner has addressed this, I don't think it's that controversial what he's saying. Oh, no, I agree with what he's saying, but I don't think he should have said it the way he said it. Yeah, but, you know, I think that's ultimately, for me, secondary. Like, yeah, it was a bit abrupt and a bit of, you know, kind of... But I think that ultimately it is a sport problem that the sport needs to solve long-term. However, in the interim, it is a Mercedes problem more than it is for other teams. And I can understand that you've created a car that is very, very competitive, doesn't have the issues to the extent that someone like Mercedes does. Why would you then seed the high ground? Like, it's, it does, that doesn't make no sense. So I think it's perfectly understandable that Christian Horner has taken that view. It's, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things I think you, you, the sport does need to look at it from a safety perspective, but also Mercedes needs to look at it from a, a just their problem kind of perspective. I think both of those things can be true at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's the standard posturing, isn't it? Like, we kind of spoke about that last week again. And like Christian's above that. I mean, he spent the last four or five years complaining about anything he could to try and get a leg up for his team. And that's always going to be the way it is. He, you know, that's he's acting like it would be so hugely unfair against Red Bull, but these things have always happened. Like party mode being disabled and like it's that's standard. And and this is far more like a safety issue than anyone just trying to level the playing field. I think I, I agree with Grace. I think it was like hugely inflammatory comments, which were unnecessary. Like basically accusing Lewis of faking a back injury is just insulting for yeah a seven-time world champion. Like I think that's just unnecessary. That's standard. What Christian has become, sadly, it's quite ironic that Christian Horner is whining about and calling Lewis Hamilton effectively that he's whining when really that's all he's doing is. He doesn't want Mercedes to get any step up, so he's complaining so much so that Red Bulls still have the higher ground. He's just being a whinge bag. Yeah, I mean, he's complaining when they're behind, he's complaining when they're in front. It's just apparently what he does. I think that really, let Christian, let him, let him say that stuff. He's probably doing himself more damage. It makes him look bad. Let him say, I'm sure Lewis will be ignoring it. He won't be worried or concerned he'll be focused away from that out of those conversations as you have to be as a professional athlete so as far as I'm concerned let Christian steal a few headlines I don't think he's really changing many opinions I think he's just reinforcing people who already agree with him moving on from the porpoising issue we had some exciting news coming out of the sport this week is the potential return of the South African Grand Prix for 2023. And this is a, a race that we haven't had on the calendar since 1993. So it'll be 30 years, which uh, is, believe it or not, a little bit too early for me and James to remember, or at least me. Grace um, was minus eight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for the context. Um, I It was actually before I was born as well. I was born later that year. But I'm really excited. I think it's really important that there's a race on the continent of Africa. Kailami is a historic track that was you know, a regular circuit up until the early 90s. However, it does pose a bit of a problem calendar-wise. 
there is the potential to up the calendar to 24 races, but it's been well covered that less is more, especially when it comes to how large the calendar has gotten and the effects and the stresses and strains on the teams, drivers, mechanics, everyone involved in sport, even journalists, even people like us covering it from afar. I don't know, you know, it's it's time consuming, it's it's difficult. So there's yeah, there's a lot to consider there, but also the potential tracks that may make way for a South African Grand Prix, which I do think is essential on the calendar. Spa has been touted as one. Monaco, which I know we've spoken about in length before on, on the podcast, and also the French Grand Prix, which doesn't have a contract for next year. What are your guys' thoughts? I think logistically it's getting out of control. I mean, what what race are they going to pair it with if it's a doubleheader or if it's a weekend in between? Still, where are they going to do it? Because this week we've seen teams try and get from Azerbaijan to Montreal in a, in a few days. And there's been delays. Like I know McLaren were going through Doha Airport. Um, Charles' plane, I think, might have been delayed. And that's just the drivers. We're not even talking about the tons and tons of equipment they need to get there. And I know they have freights going round, and it's all logistically planned. But if something goes wrong, some of those teams are just effed. Like, like if a ship gets stuck, or like we we've seen it before. If something gets stuck, everything gets held up. So it could be really risky. I think traditionally, the South African Grand Prix and the Brazilian Grand Prix were both very early in the season. I know growing up, the Brazilian Grand Prix was early in the season. Uh, so it's not usually, it wasn't always a kind of back end of the, the season. So those would make sense. But with the Brazilian Grand Prix being where it is now, I don't know, climate-wise, if that works for South Africa. Australia, maybe? Uh... Oh, yeah. The Gulf states are the only place anywhere near, like, and it's still that's northeast of Africa. (laughs) Like, yeah. That's so far. It's a much much bigger continent than than we see on Western maps. Um, Yeah, it's it's, it's difficult. But also, I saw a journalist um, tweet that after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, he was home for 14 hours. before he had to then get his flight to Canada. So who decided on that doubleheader? I do not know. I just hope that there's a little bit more sense next season. Apparently they are going to be looking at kind of regionalising the calendar. But on the tracks that might make way, what are your, your, what are your thoughts, guys? I'm disgusted. Spa needs to stay. Yeah. No, I, I think Spa absolutely has to stay. I've always... So I said this on a, on our good friends at Planet F1's podcast when we did uh, the, the race review of Monaco. I've always been on the side of keeping Monaco. Like, it's very Marmite, and there are a lot of people who say it should go. This year really, really made me question that. Like, aside from the, the racing being standardly dull for the most part, apart from Pierre smashing his way through about three cars early on, it was... <sighs> Just the little things. It's the fact, you know, the power cut and the terrible race direction. And I don't know, it does feel like, I think I would still like to see Monaco change. Sorry, I'd like to, I'd still like to see Monaco stay on the calendar, but I think it has to change if it's going to do so. Uh, But I mean, if it's coming down to Monaco and Spa, I I would choose Spa now. Yeah. I mean, I find it strange, the idea of not having a French Grand Prix, given that Grand Prix is a French word or two French words. 
Two French words or is it, okay, a French say James is going, oh man. A French <laughs> from, his, from his flat in France. <laughs> yes, a French phrase. Saying that I really enjoyed the French Grand Prix last time around. Bit not, weird. It was a I'm not he- proper strategy. God. It was just good for strategy. Like I love not knowing whether the overcut, the undercut was gonna work. And it was nice. I'm not huge on on Paul Ricard. I have fond memories of Maggie Cause, which I, again James is probably looking That's at me because absolutely I've... butchered. Yeah, <laughs> Maggie Cause. She it's sounds Maddie, like some Maddie, woman working in the chippy. Maggie Cause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know the, the she's, she runs the pub down the road. Maggie Cause. Yeah, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> look, okay, look, look. let's move on. Maggie Cause. But I think they should have. Um, they should use the Le Mans track. I can't remember its full name. How was that pronunciation for you? <laughs> That's a good shout. I'd never thought about Le Mans. I mean, it would be something different. They they like to mix it up these days. Like NF1, obviously, they're, they're trying to, to make things a bit different. And I think the, the safety risks mean we'll never go back to a, the authentic Nürburgring. But maybe, you know, Le Mans has been kept up a bit in better nick over the years, obviously. And that could be really cool, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, there's there's lots to unpack there with the, with the calendar. Hopefully, the solution is the right one, but we'll have to wait and see. Our final piece of news for today is news that Naomi Schiff, ex-professional driver, now turned pundit for this year, who I've really been enjoying her coverage, her commentary. She's been dealing with a bit of backlash on Twitter, but um, she handled it like a pro and has got Lewis Hamilton coming to her aid and backing her up. But I think it opened a whole new debate about women in motorsport and F1. And some people on Twitter showed their true colours. And I want to know what you guys think, because obviously you have a much different perspective to me about women in motorsport. Yeah, I mean, you hate to see like responses like that on social media. I think Twitter's maybe the worst for people saying things like that. It really, I mean, I think the way that Naomi re- re- like phrased her reply was, it gives people a voice who don't deserve to be heard. And that pretty much is nailed on the head for me. Uh, it's why I generally avoid a lot of social media in, in the motorsport, sports spheres in general. Uh, and I think, yeah, Naomi dealt with it really well. And you've got someone like Lewis Hamilton backing you up. It's, it really shows, I think he knows a bit more about motorsport than whoever Joe Bloggs on Twitter was. I saw you comment on it, Sam. You you said something good. Yeah, essentially. So essentially what the original tweet was, for those of you who maybe missed it, don't have Twitter, it's now been deleted, unsurprisingly. It was a photo of Naomi Schiff and this guy basically tweeted saying, I wonder what her credentials for being the newest member of the Sky Sports F1 team is. You know, hint, it's not her F1 experience obviously implying that she got the job as a diversity hire because of her race and her gender, which obviously hideously offensive, hideously inaccurate, just plain hideous. So I essentially said that might it be that she's a really good pundit and a really good commentator. They're her credentials. And it's it's as simple as that. So yeah, it's, it's awful to see. There's no place for it. I do think the tide is turning with these views and it's the fact that the tweet was deleted shows that, you know, if you can't 
handle the heat, stay out of the kitchen. This guy made an offensive tweet and couldn't couldn't deal with the consequences of that. So, yeah, it's it is a real issue that sport does need to address. But as I said, I do think the tide is starting to turn, and I think the majority of fans are very much pro women minorities. Any you know any minority in most sport. It did genuinely shock me, though, because like I still can't believe people think these things, let alone put them out for other people to read. Like I can't imagine thinking that and thinking, "Oh, yeah, this is going to be really good." I think lots of people will agree with me. Like it's just stupid. And Sam, I really do appreciate you thinking that the tide is turning. But Lewis Hamilton disagrees with you and says that there's a long way to go to change these attitudes. So maybe maybe we'll see. Oh, no, I think both of those things can be true at the same time. The the tide is turning, but there is still so much work. We haven't had an out racing driver for a a long time, if ever, during the actual career uh, from a sexual preference point of view. That's what Vettel was talking about this week. Exactly, yeah. So it it all ties into the wider tapestry. We haven't had a woman driver compete in a, a race weekend for over 30 years now. So there's a since long, Susie long Wolf. Susie Wolf was the last to practice. Was that in so actual weekend? Twenty fourteen. I was actually there. She broke yeah. down in front of me. FP one, wasn't it? On a Friday at Silverstone. Yeah. I went. Okay, so car. I'm I'm thinking then we race. haven't had a woman compete in a race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for over thirty uh, years. Giovanni, uh, apologies, Giovanna for, Amati. In ninety two, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. ninety one, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 long overdue, but this is why things like W Series are so important because it provides a platform, it provides the opportunity, and that's why it's on the Sky, right? You know, weekend rotation. Because it's blooming good racing. It is. At the end of the day, it's so good. The chances are this guy was probably, I mean, clearly he's highly ignorant, but probably ignorant of F1. He probably didn't know that she was uh, a former driver. Like, you can only assume it's just some idiot who's spouted off on Twitter and, and this is the thing. That would have been just some guy in a corner of a bar 20 years ago. Now he's got a voice and he can tag someone in a tweet he does and it's blown up and at least maybe it's taught me a lesson. But another thing that I thought was really interesting is a lot of people were saying, you say she's got no F1 experience. Obviously that's wrong. But even if she didn't, why couldn't she present? She's clearly knowledgeable. Natalie Pinkham, she doesn't have any F1 experience, but she's a great pundit, a great presence on the Sky team. So I think, again, that tweet was so wrong on so many levels. Simon Lazenby, not a racing driver. David Croft, who everyone loves, is superb at his job. The voice of F1. Not a racing driver. No racing experience as far as we know. So, yeah, it's there's no merit to his, his view at all. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, so, yeah, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com to check out the latest news, which there'll be plenty of with uh, Canada coming up. And be sure to check out the main Cut to the Race podcast where we will be talking about the Canadian Grand Prix after it's happened. So until next week, we'll see you then. Bye. Thank you. I can't do it the same. It's quite sad. We miss you, Abby. Come back. Miss you. Oh, no!
Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Brian Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Words podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Podcast Network.